Thank you. Mommy, thank you very much. God bless you. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. We thank God for today. And I thank God for your life. Amen. Amen. It's a blessing to be alive during this time. How many of us heard the news of the people who were flying from New York to Dallas and the engine exploded? <laughs> All of us here, we have sat in airplane before, Meboa, but we are still alive. We thank God that our airplane engines didn't explode. Hey, I, I couldn't believe it. Because me, I've sat, I've sat in airplanes sitting at the, I like the window <laughs> where, the, where the, wind, the airplane wind is. And that is where the engine too is. Hey! Remember what I was going to Montreal, the plane I sat in, that's why I was still there with my head looking down. I said, hey, I didn't know the engine can explode. <laughs> wow. It's a blessing. Amen. And uh, our pastor, Pastor Isaac, is, is um, departed now. He's coming. And so let's just close our eyes and pray for traveling mercies for him that the engine of his plane will stay intact and God will bring him here safely. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that as you took him and was with him, you will let his coming be smooth and safe. Thank you that you have brought him to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. For this month, our theme and focus is Arise and Build. Arise and Build. And um, last week, Dickin Prince took us through some powerful um, lessons on building um, from the uh, book of Nehemiah. How he walked us through how Nehemiah became a tool in God's hands to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem with all that he went through. And I think last Friday, um, Deacon Felix also took us through uh, how we need to be led. If we are going to be used of God to build his church, we need to be led by God. Amen. And um, Sunday too, Deacon Larry also blessed us powerfully with the word of God showing how we can be um, the very tools that God uses to build the vessels. Amen. Amen. So I was also thinking through what the Lord would have us to go through today. And for some time now, I've been doing a series with the youth on end times and the apocalypse. We've been having some exciting discussions. They've been bombarding me with so many questions that when I start, I, I'm not able to finish. And so part of what uh, I was going to be talking with them this Sunday, actually, we'll be talking about the rapture. And part of what we're going to talk about had to do with the judgment seat of Christ. And I know that um, Paul has said in the Bible that because we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we must be careful how we build. So I felt that it will be a great um, lesson for us all to look into tonight. Amen. Amen. And so I'll be talking to you about um, what I've captioned as building for a reward building for a reward and mainly we'll be looking at the teaching around the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. In 1st Corinthians chapter 3 verse 10 to 15 the Bible says according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let 
let no let everyone i'm going to imagine the scripture can see that side let everyone take care how he builds upon it for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid amen which is jesus christ therefore if anyone builds on the foundation with gold silver precious stones wood hay straw each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done the work that anyone has built on the foundation if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives he will receive a reward okay if anyone's work is burned up he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved but only us through fire amen shall we pray father we pray as we look into your word that you'll open up our understanding and our hearts to receive your word in jesus name we pray amen, amen. so in this scripture he's talking about how we have to take care how we build okay it's not every building that is um, a good building in fact jesus gave a parable uh, about two people who decided to build a house right he said one wanted to build it very quickly so he just built it on the sun the other one bible said he dug deep into the ground and built his foundation on the rock so if you look at both of them and you ask what are they doing the answer will be they are building a house they are both building they are both builders but then evidently they are building in different ways so how we build god's house is important because the reward we will receive will not be because you built the building but it will be because you built the building with the right materials amen and so in this scripture, Paul is telling us we need to be careful how we build on the foundation that Jesus Christ has laid. Why? Because whatever we build will be tried by fire. And it provides the six materials that basically is available to us to use to build any house. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw we'll look at um, those materials later on but for now i would like us to see mike can you help me with the okay i would like us to see where the judgment seat fits in the scheme of god's plan so right now the next event that will happen is um the rapture that's what we are waiting for to happen that's what's in greek called hapazo soon as the rapture happens there are certain events that are going to happen on earth one um, the main thing being the tribulation for seven years whilst that is happening on earth we will be in heaven and we will be before christ for our judgment the christians so whilst we receive our judgment we will receive our rewards as part of that judgment and then later on we'll come down with jesus on the earth to reign for 1000 years okay and so in romans 14 verse 10 bible says why do you judge your brother or why do you despise your brother for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of christ we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it says, as it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account concerning himself to God. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how long you've been in the church, doesn't matter your title, whatever. Everyone shall stand individual alone. Before We won't stand before Christ like a living word. 
let's come before the judgment seat. No, they won't call wise. They won't call the youth. They will call your name, Leticia Safo Poatin, Archangel. <laughs> come before the judgment seat. He says, everyone shall give account concerning himself or herself to God. Amen. Amen. And so the judgment seat of Christ is what is called the Bema seat. Now, Bema appears 22 times in the New Testament, and it's a Greek word that is used to describe a platform. Okay, a platform. Actually, if you look at a Greek encyclopedia, it talks about it being a raised stone platform and it was originally used as a tribunal where people who give speech will sit on to, to address citizens or people in the courts of law. So it was a raised platform and that was called the Bema. Okay, the apostle Paul, when he used it in, in the scripture we read, he had in mind the competitive Roman game. So in those games, they had the judges, so they had the games in an arena, right? And instead of the judges sitting in the middle of the arena, because once you're in the middle, it's hard to see the finish line to be able to judge who won the race. So they positioned the judges on a raised platform at the finish line. So they are able to judge perfectly who crossed the line first, who crossed the second, who crossed the third. Okay, so that is the race platform called the Bema that the judge sits on to determine who came first, who came second, who came third. And why? Because they need to reward the one who was first. They need to reward the one who was second. They need to reward the one who was third. Amen. And so the Bema judgment seat of Christ is a, is, a, is a judgment not to determine whether you are going to heaven or hell, but a judgment to determine the reward you will get. Amen. Amen. All those who will appear before the judgment seat of Christ have already made it to heaven. It's not to determine whether you will go to heaven or hell, but to determine whether you will get a reward for how you lived your Christian life life. Amen. And so how will those rewards be determined? There are six ingredients that we can use to build and it's listed in order of worth. Right? It lists gold, what, silver, precious stones, and then there is what? Wood, hay, or what? What's the, what's the last one? Hey. Wood, hay. Check your Bible. Yes. So, wood, hay. I didn't put it here. Hey. Can you hear me without the mic? Okay. So who, who has the scripture? Wood, hay, and straw. Wood, hay, and straw. It's good to put this in, in our mind. Wood, hay, and straw. Wood, hay, and straw. So we all know wood. Canadian buildings are built of what? <laughs> wood. They will not pass heaven's test. <laughs> wood, hay, and straw. <laughs> And then gold, silver, and precious stones. So you look at the first three, it's in order of worth, right? Gold is most precious, then silver, and then precious stones. And those three can stand fire, right? When the fire is put through fire, they will survive. Actually, gold, when it's put through fire, it's purified. It becomes even more valuable, right? Silver, it's the same, it's purified. Precious stones, it will stand the fire, but it might lose its beauty in a way, right? And then wood, it will burn. Hay, it will burn. And straw will also burn, amen? And so the question is, 
what material are you using to build in whatever you are doing for God's work? How, how are you able to pick which material to use in whatever you are doing for God's work? Now, if you, if you remember, you've, or you've heard before that in heaven, Jesus will wipe away all tears from their eyes. Why? Why would there be tears in heaven when heaven is a place of no sin, no sickness, no lack of anything? Why? Because as we go through the judgment, people are going to regret how they have lived their life. How, oh, I could have lived my life better for Jesus. I could have been more devoted to God. I could have done something even more in God's house. Or whatever I was doing in God's house, I could have done it with all my heart. I could have also done something. And so as people review their lives and they see the time and opportunities that they had, that they could have used for God, and how it has all been wasted, people begin to cry. Right? But remember, because the judgment seat is not for condemnation, Jesus being so good, he will still comfort us and wipe away the tears from our eyes. But since it is not yet there yet, we are not there yet, we are here now, we can change stuff so that we are not of the number that weep. Amen. Amen. So let's see, what are those rewards? Because those rewards will give you an idea. Once you see what the reward is, you'll have an idea what the material is that is required to get those rewards. There are five um, crowns that will be given at the judgment seat of Christ. And even though it's hard to see over here, we'll go through each of them one by one and then we'll pray. Amen. Here it talks about the incorruptible crown. The incorruptible crown is the crown that is given to the victor, the one who does not give up. Amen. We'll go through each of them. And then it also talks about the crown of life, which is given to those who stand for their faith, even to the point of death. We'll be given the crown of life. And then it talks about the crown of glory, which is given to those who are examples to the believers, the, the leaders, the pastors, the um, departmental leaders, the... Uh, whatever, whatever area you are serving as an example to the flock, you will get a crown of glory. And then there is also the crown of righteousness, which is given to those who love his appearing. Then we'll look at what that means. And then last but not the least is the crown of rejoicing, which is given to those who win souls. Amen. So as we talk this month about arise and build, you ask yourself, how am I building in these areas so I can get a reward? You must build in a way that you will be rewarded. Amen. So let's look at the crown of glory. The crown of glory. This is the crown that is awarded for feeding and being an example to the flock. There are many ways that the flock of God is fed. Okay, one is right now, as you, you are being taught, you are being fed God's word. So whether it's Wednesday Bible study or Sunday school, uh, the Sunday school teacher is feeding the flock of God. The children teacher is feeding the flock of God. The youth uh, teacher is feeding the flock of God. Mishnet, leader. Anyone that has an oversight over the people of God in any capacity you are feeding the flock of God, and you stand as a potential candidate for the crown of glory if you do it with the right material. Amen? So, what does the scripture say about this crown? In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 to 4, it says, The elders which are among you are exhort, who am also an elder. This is the apostle Peter speaking and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He's saying that I am exhorting the elders. I am, I am writing to the leaders, those who are serving. I am exhorting them myself. I am an elder. And he says, and I am also a witness of the sufferings of Christ. 
and I am a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Amen. Amen. And verse 2, he says, feed the flock of God. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Amen. So, see, he's not talking about the flock of God in the whole world. He's talking about the flock of God which is among you. What is the flock of God among us right now? It's living word. Amen. So, if there is some building you have to be doing, it's investing in whatever flock of God that is among us, which is here. Amen. If you are in the children's ministry, that is the flock of God that is among you. Whichever area, whether it is a living cell, that you are the cell leader there, that is the flock of God that is among you. It says, feed the flock of God that is among you. Taking the oversight thereof. That was taking charge. Taking responsibility. Not saying that, oh, I want to almost mean you're living cell leader. No, no. When you do that, you are not taking charge. He said, taking the oversight thereof. Put yourself in charge. Once, once you are put there, put yourself in charge. Tell yourself that if you don't do it, it is not going to be done. That is someone who is in charge. You know, it's not like relaxing, thinking that another person who is in charge will do it. He said, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint. So not by force, not because somebody is forcing you. Not by constraint, but willingly. Willingly. And not for filthy lucre. Or lucre is, is another word for money. Okay, so not because of, hey, how much are they going to pay me for this thing? Or look at, uh, look at how much they are paying me. It's very small. Right? He said, not because of the money they will give you, but of a ready mind. In other words, you are always ready to serve. Always ready. Of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. In other words, don't become a boss over the people of God. Remember, Jesus said, the greatest among you will be like a servant. And so, to be a leader over God's flock is to be the chief servant for God's flock. So, not as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. So, you are a sure candidate for the crown of glory when a, a, a sheep or a follower of Jesus can point to you and say, when I look at this person's Christian life, I am encouraged to press on for Jesus. Hey, you have become an example. You have become an example. He said, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Amen. You shall receive a crown of glory. So it doesn't matter where you are serving. In fact, if you are not serving in any area, you have to start uh, praying for God to lead me into an area where I can be an example to the flock. Where people can also watch my life and want to be like me in their pursuit of Christ. Amen. People can look at a doctor, a medical doctor, and say, I want to be like him. People can look at a surgeon and say, I want to be like him. It's good, but that surgeon won't get any reward in heaven. But if somebody can look at your Christian life, the discipline of your Christian life, in spite of everything, you are still pressing on, and say, wow, it gives me hope. That in itself, you are a candidate for the crown of glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know, Peter, when he talks about feeding the flock of God, he, he talks from experience because there was a time when he, after he had denied Jesus, and Jesus came back to him and said, Peter, do you love me? <laughs> and he said, yes, I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. That's John 21, 15 to 17. And then Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, do you love me? And he said to him, Oh Lord, you know that I love you. And then he said, Feed my sheep. Okay? And then third time he asked me, Do you love me? And Peter said, You know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, 
feed my sheep. You see, if you look, if you go into the Greek of the words Jesus used to describe the flock of God here, he talks about feed my lambs, which is the little ones, feed my sheep, which are the, the, the older ones, like the young ones, not very little, and then feed my sheep, which are the full-grown ones. So all the age groups. That is why every department in this church is important. Jesus expects every group to be fed. It's not like uh, it's children ministry, so just um, show them some pictures and whatever. No. Teach them God's word. Feed them. It's not, it's not playing. It will, this is not a playing center. Yes, we play. Like, we come to the youth, we do games, but we also teach God's word. We feed them the spiritual food. Amen? So it's not that we just gather and do some activities and go away. In the end, you want to make sure the sheep or the lambs are being fed. That was why Peter wrote and said, make sure you are feeding the flock of God. You become a candidate for the crown of glory. That's how living word will be built, honestly. It's not by us coming to church every Sunday. Of course, that's important. But if all we do, everybody who comes here, all, the only thing they do is to just come to church every Sunday, how is the church going to grow? Who's going to be the teacher for the children's ministry? Who's going to help with the youth? Who's going to help with the um, ashes? The people receiving the newcomers, the follow-up. If every, every, the, all that everybody does is to just come and sit down, the church will not be built. But the church will be built if you determine, I am going to be an example to the flock of God. I am also going to do something so that you will get the crown of glory. Build in a way that you will get a reward. Amen. Amen. The second crown is the crown of life. A, a very, very amazing crown. The crown of life. And it is awarded to those who are faithful unto death. Those who are faithful unto death. It is also known as the martyr's crown. Faithful unto death. Amen. Amen. In Revelation 2, verse 8 to 10, the Bible says, And the angel of the church, and unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know your works and tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the, of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which you shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, and you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. But be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Wow. This is coming straight from the mouth of Jesus himself. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. You know, when we talk about dying for our Christian faith, especially in this part of our world, it's hard for us to conceptualize it. Right? It's hard for us to picture it. I mean, we go through small challenge, and we think God has forsaken us. We are not even at the point of dying yet. Right? But just because we prayed and we, the prayer was not answered, or the prayer was delayed, the answer was delayed, it's like, right? But here, Jesus had a promise for them. He was promising them that they are going to be put into prison. He said, I promise you, you are going to be put into prison. You are going to suffer tribulation. Some of you are going to be put to death. And he said, I'm telling you, but be faithful even to the point of death. He's saying, in other words, when they are about to kill you, I will not come and deliver you. I will stand there and watch for you to be killed, but make sure you don't deny me. Amen? You see, it's almost, it's almost like the opposite of what you hear being preached many times today. It's like, um, if you are serving God well, then he has to deliver you out of every trouble. Yes, he said, um, 
I have been young and I am old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. And then he said, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. I tell you, one of the ways God delivers the righteous out of trouble is to take them out of this world. Amen. Amen. That is part of the deliverance. That is why sometimes we have some people who will be sick and God will not heal them, but he will take them away. He's taking, he's delivering them out of their afflictions. So, how can we receive this crown of life? Does it mean that we have to be killed for our faith before we receive this crown of life? Of course, it's not everyone who will be killed for their faith. Certainly, those who will be killed for their faith will receive this crown of life. But it's not necessarily everyone who will be killed for their faith. Let's see what Apostle James also said about this crown. In James 1.12, he said, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the one who endures Temptation. That word temptation there, it means putting to proof by experiment of good, by experiment of good, by experience of evil, by solicitation, by discipline, or by provocation, or by adversity. Putting to the proof. Amen. In other words, testing the thing for its quality. Right? Putting it to the proof, that's, that's that word temptation. Blessed is the man who endures being put to the proof. Like what God did to Abraham. Abraham, go and sacrifice your only son, Isaac. What was God doing? God was putting Abraham's love for him to the, to the test. When he went through at the end, what did God say to him? He said, Abraham, now I know that you fear me. <laughs> you know, I thought God knows everything. But after Abraham went through, he said, Now I know that you fear me. And many times God will do the same with us. In fact, one of the things that you can be sure of is that God will test you. You, you can mark it on the wall. It doesn't matter who you are. God will test you. Amen. The sad thing is that a lot of Christians fail when God is testing them. A lot of us fail. Of course, the test is not something pleasant. The test is not pleasant at all. If you are passing through fire, will you be laughing? No. It's painful. It's heartbreaking. It's disappointing. It's, it's tearful. Going through things you don't understand. You can't even explain. You pray. Uh, it's like the more you pray... <laughs> The more things become confusing. Hey, God, where are you? He's putting you to the test. He's, he's, he's trying to see what material are you made of. You know, somebody said, depending on the kind of material of which you are made, a hard fall may mean a high bounce. You know, when I have a basketball right now and I throw it to the ground hard, what will it do? It will bounce back higher. Because of the material of which it is made. But if I take a foam and I bounce it on the ground, will it bounce back up? No, because of the material of which it is made. So the, the trouble is not really what you are going through. The real problem is the material of which you are made. That was why James, if you read the earlier verses, he said, Count it all joy. When ye fall into diverse temptations and trials, in other words, just say, throw a party, do a poster, that a celebration for the afflictions of my life. <laughs> Rejoice! Amen. Count it all joy. Why? Because God is marking you for the crown of life. God has taken that crown and positioned it so he can put it on your head. All it takes is for you to endure. Amen. 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 Then you become a good material for the building of the church. You know, it's not just anybody that, can, that God can use to build his church. Oh, no, no, no. 
God uses quality materials. If you read Peter, he says, you are the living stones that he's using to build his church. And if he's going to use you and I to build his church, you think he's just going to use any material that is there that has not been tested and proven? No way. So God will test you so he can use you to build his church. Hallelujah. Now let's move on. The third crown is the incorruptible crown. And it is the victor's crown. The crown of victory that is awarded for those who strive for the mastery or strive to win. The incorruptible crown. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 to 27, it says, And every man who strives for the mastery is temperate in all things or self-controlled in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one who beats the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Hallelujah. You know, one of the reasons why a lot of Christians are weak Christians is because no, many Christians don't want to go through the discipline that will make them to mature. That is striving for the mastery, striving to win, striving for the, to be a mature Christian. It takes discipline, serious discipline. Hey, how can you wake up and pray in the morning if you are not disciplined? How to discipline yourself? We say less fast. Hey, a lot of Christians stop fasting. Many Christians don't fast. The only time they fast is when the church declares a fast. How will you grow in your personal life? Reading your Bible. Self-discipline. To do that. Amen? Amen. That is striving for the mastery. In other words... Not settling down where you are, where you met Christ at the foot of the cross and you are just there. After five years in the church, after ten years in the church, there's nothing that you can say, compare your life before and after and say that, oh, I have matured, I have grown. It means that you are really not doing anything to grow your Christian life. Every year I'm comparing myself to the previous year. Do I know something now? that I didn't know last year? Have I learned something now that I didn't learn before? Because otherwise, then I've started dying. If you are not growing, you are dying. Amen? Amen. So the one who strives for the mastery, this is the apostle himself. He's saying that, I don't want it to happen that after I preach to others, I myself will be disqualified. And so he says, I beat my body and I bring it into subjection. Why? Because this flesh will not let you go through spiritual discipline. This flesh will tell you you are tired after you come from work. It will tell you that you are hungry, you need to eat. Once you eat, you are feeling sleepy. <laughs> then you go to bed. And then your spirit will say, but you haven't read your Bible today. Then you say, okay, when I'm, when I'm lying down in bed, I will read my Bible. And then as you are lying down, you open your Bible. By the time you wake up, it's morning. <laughs> you see, you are not beating your body. You are not beating your body. You are not making your body your slave. You have to make your body your slave. Of course, it doesn't mean you shouldn't take care of your body. Because if, you, if this body becomes sick, God can't use you. Right? You have to take good care of your body. But what that means is you have to cut out unnecessary things. On the things that take your time, cut it off. Certain meetings and discussions that won't go anywhere, cut yourself out. Why? So that you can sleep early. So that you can wake up at dawn and pray. Amen. That is the discipline of striving for mastery. In other words, you don't want to just be like everybody else. The one who is striving for mastery wants to, it's like competition. So you want to be ahead. It's sad. You ask Christians today, um, what book are you reading? Zero. No reading. 
You know, one thing in heaven is books. Um, there are many things on earth you won't find in heaven. But one thing you find in heaven that is here is books. <laughs> yeah. You have to practice here. Otherwise, you go to heaven, you'll be bored. <laughs> you have to be reading. Sorry? No audio. No, you can listen, you can listen to uh, audio books. In fact, that's what I do now most of the time. Uh, I'm audio books, or if it's a PDF, then I let my, my phone read it for me. Whilst I'm driving, then the car is reading. <laughs> Amen? Yeah? On audio, uh, you are listening. Amen. So you have to do things that will help you to grow. Because growth is not uh, automatic. You, if you like, give birth to a baby and put the baby down and leave the baby and say, baby, grow. And see if the baby will grow. No, growth is not automatic. Growth is intentional. You have to put effort into it. Otherwise, you won't grow. You won't know God any more than yesterday. But we have to know God. Hey, we have to advance. We have to have better knowledge of God. At some point, you have to be able to stand here and also teach during Bible studies. You know? You have to be able, when pastor is, has to go somewhere, and then he, and there's nobody around, you, you have to be able to call upon you and say, come and teach. And then you also prepare. Come and teach. That's, that means you are growing. Amen? Amen? Let's move on. The crown of righteousness. Number four, the crown of righteousness. And this crown is awarded to those who love his appearing. Those who love his appearing. In um, 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 to 8. We don't have to read it. It's long, but let's read it through. It says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. The quick means those who are alive, and the dead at his appearing, and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Amen. Amen. And then it says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, and I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. But the apostle Paul speaking, he's saying that, he's talking to Timothy, right? And he's telling Timothy, the times you live in are not good times because there are times where people don't want to hear the truth. People have itching ears. He said they are turning their ears away from the truth. And they are turning onto fables. Fables means stories. Nice stories. Nice stories, like Cinderella stories. <laughs> Happily ever after stories. That's what people want. So they want the prophet to come and tell them, I see you sitting on a golden seat and your prince is coming to marry you and you shall live with him happily ever after. Those are fables. Amen. But when you tell them that I see that you are sinning and if you don't stop the sin, God will shorten your life. They don't want to hear that one. They will tell you that you are a prophet of doom. <laughs> and so Paul was challenging Timothy. He said, hey, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Don't back down. Teach them. Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth because they don't want to hear the truth in the times you are living in. Right? And then he goes on and says, 
as you do this, it will be difficult for you. So you have to endure afflictions so that you can continue to do the work and make full proof of your ministry. And then he said, there is laid out for me. I have done this. Now I'm, it's time for me to be poured out. And so there's remaining for me a crown of righteousness. And this crown of righteousness is not only for me, but for all those who love his appearing. Who are those who love his appearing? Those who love his appearing are those who love the truth. Who love to be told that they need to straighten up their lives. Well, nobody, nobody has it put together. Nobody is perfect. You know? So if you are doing something wrong and somebody tells you, you should be happy. That somebody has been able to point it out so that you can change and become better. That is someone who loves his appearing. You understand? So this crown is for those who pursue holiness, who pursue living rights. You know, they don't just, it's not like Christianity for me to feel good, but for me to live right for God's glory. Those are those who receive the crown of righteousness. In 1 John 3, the Bible says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And then it says, Beloved, now are we the children of God, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. He's saying, everyone who has the hope of Jesus coming again, who is waiting for his coming, who loves his appearing, when you love his appearing, he says, everyone who has that hope in him, they purify themselves. They make themselves holy. They are always checking their hearts. Did I say it well? Did I do it right? Is there something I need to correct? You know, like the songwriter sang, he said, um, Jesus, Asana Waba Jimmy Free Yase Boninem Asana Mirewa And then I think it was um, Dana Samoa who also sang this one Ahuntia Namo Amigusuri Tutwe Many chre crong crong be a ho, and untina mapa me huachia. Mapu yasia ni jenny or braboni. Macoma swa disredia ne se, and kaubetro midiaka womane ho. Amasa upwe weni munya mua. Many a hote for a bumasua hinchel. You see what she's talking about? She's talking about the crown of righteousness. So that when you appear in your glory, I will join the righteous to put on the crown Amen. of righteousness. The one who wants this crown is the one who lives his life Amen. to purify himself. In 2 Corinthians, he said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, having therefore these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You know, it's one thing to appear uh, righteous or holy before people. The, the, this one is not that one. It's, this reward is not for the ones who appear righteous, not for the Pharisees. It's for the ones who are holy in their hearts. When nobody is looking, when nobody is watching who you are, God will give us a crown for that. Amen. Uh -huh. And the last one, the crown of rejoicing. The crown of rejoicing. And it's awarded to those who win the lost to Christ. It's the soul winner's crown. Everyone who wins a soul to Christ will receive a reward. It is called the crown of rejoicing. In 1 Thessalonians 2.19, the Bible says, For what is our hope or joy? 
or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. Paul is saying, you, the ones that I have won for Christ, you, the souls that I have won for Christ, you are my crown of rejoicing. Amen. One way you can partake of this crown is to support a church that believes in winning the lost. You see, when you support a church like Living Word, who has, who has missionaries that we are supporting, who have children that we are supporting, we are constantly sending money somewhere to build churches so that people can win souls into those churches. Right? Such a church, you can just be here and may not personally have gone to win somebody, but when you go to heaven, you will receive a crown of rejoicing. Because your contribution also helped for those people to be built up into the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. So let us not give up or be wary in what we are doing to build his church. Only let us be careful how we are building. Amen. Want us to read that scripture again in First Corinthians three ten, First uh, Corinthians chapter three verse ten to fifteen it says, "According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I have laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones," wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. He says, and if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved but only as through fire. The question I ask is, how are you building on the foundation that Jesus Christ has laid as far as living word is concerned? How are you building to get a reward? Amen. Amen. Shall we close our eyes as we pray? I want you to talk to God. Thank the Lord. I want you to talk to God if you are serving in any area in the church, just ask the Lord, Lord, show me how I can build or serve so I can get a reward. I don't want my labor to be in vain. I don't want to appear before the judgment seat only to realize that all that I have done has been burnt by the fire. And then if you are also not really involved, not doing anything, I want you to talk to God. Ask the Lord, Lord, show me how I can be involved in living word. Show me what I can also do to be an example to the flock. Show me what I can also do so that I will also get a crown when I appear before the judgment seat. Now, you may be going through some challenges, some difficult times. Remember that even for that, there is a reward. And I want you to pray to the Lord and ask the Lord to strengthen you so that you will not give up your faith. To strengthen you so that you will continue to trust in Him, even to the point of death, that you will still trust in Him. Job said, though He slay me, even though He kills me, He said, I will trust in Him. Pray and ask the Lord to strengthen you, to trust in him no matter what. And lastly, I want you to pray for the leaders, pastor, and all the leaders. You know, there is a great um, 
responsibility on us to be examples to the flock. I want to pray that the Lord will give us grace so that when the chief shepherd appears, we will not be found wanting in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word that you have brought to us. Even as we go from here, continue to speak to us on this word, Holy Spirit, until our lives are straightened up and marked for the crowns that await us at the judgment seat of Christ. Help us. Where we are weak, strengthen us. Raise us up again. Thank you that you are true to your word when you said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I know that you are always with us. I pray that you will let us know it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We thank God. We would like to take our offering. Amen. Erade na wa sheyembo Se yewe yesum nuwa Heaven o yenyo nyamkro Enije biwa Erade na wa sheyembo Ase yewe yesom noa Oh, heaven o yenyo nyamkro Anije bi Amen. Um, in the announcement, Friday, God willing, we're having a Friday prayer service. It's going to be powerful. You don't want to miss it at 7.30 prompt. And um, Saturday, God willing, um, is there any group meeting? There's board meeting, so please be praying for the board. Amen. And then on Sunday, God willing, we'll also um, do the nominations. So let's continue to be praying. If you haven't submitted yours, be praying for the Lord to lead you on who to nominate. Amen. And not only for yourself, but for everybody else. Um, God willing, Pastor will be here with us on Friday. So we, we will have um, some hot and warm weather from Sierra Leone. Amen. He said, he said he's put some in his bag to, to bring to us. So, Amen. Shall we be on our feet as we pray? We'll ask Antilet to pray for us as we go home. Antilet, yeah. Oh, so sorry, Yes. Papa, 
abutobwa ya de ba yesu ya ni ayanya bia so papa bia bia wadrom pron ema wo ma na se yesan hia mu bia wa ya nya bi dia beboa wadwuma mu adwuma ya nkoso enuane mo awo mo antumi ama ba bibia ra obi bia ra wo ya de obi bia nu wade hi mo gem se wo wo banbo enye kese e wo bibia ra so ni eda wase e wo ye so ko kanya abrabo ka samre What's the mark? So, what's the mark? What's the mark? What's the mark? What's the he anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord 